Richard read for us uh, from just a few moments ago from John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we will be in that text here in just a moment. It's certainly good to see all of you here on this bright, beautiful, sunny Sunday morning. I trust that you have come to worship our God, to open your heart and to open your mind as we have opened our mouths together, as we have sung together, as we have prayed together, as we have gathered around the table of our Lord Jesus Christ together. And we have thought about God and we have offered God the best uh, that we can offer him this morning. And I hope we continue in that frame of mind as we open our Bibles together and we consider some good things that we see that God has to say to us uh, from his word. Uh, I am certainly glad that I am able to stand before you this morning knowing that uh, Arkansas won yesterday. I know many of you... uh, Probably were on edge. Uh, if you are a basketball fan, uh, could have easily, I think, gone the other way. Uh, but uh, nice to see Arkansas continuing on, and to see smiling faces this morning, and not have to look at uh, sad faces today. Uh, but of course, as our brother Philip has already reminded us this morning, that's not why we're here. Uh, we are here to worship God. We are here to encourage each other and to lift each other up and to motivate one another as we walk with him through this world. As we read through the epistles in the New Testament, we find that several of them give us instructions about a four-letter word. I hope that's going now. As we read through the epistles, we find that that many of them give us a lot of instructions about a four-letter word that I think a growing number of Americans find somewhat distasteful. It is the word W-O-R-K, work. For example, if we just take a kind of a summary trip through the New Testament for a minute or two, from the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9 in the companion passage in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 22 through chapter 4 and verse 1, those two passages tell us that as Christians, we are to be people who are working as to the Lord. And we are not to be folks who are just working when someone is looking at us, when we are think that we are accountable. We are not to be people who are working just to please other people. We are to be doing that as to the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13 commands us to follow the example of the Apostle Paul and other first century saints by working hard in quiet fashion so that we do not become burdens to other people or so that we don't become busybodies in the affairs of other folks. But instead, we are productive people. And Titus chapter 3, verse 14 says that we are to be people who must learn to engage in good works so that we will be able to meet pressing needs of those around us. And on and on we could go through the epistles and pulling out instructions and passages, encouragements, admonitions like this concerning the word work. But did you know that while Jesus was on earth, he not only said something about work, But he more than that backed up the words that he spoke about work with his actions. And so this morning as we continue our yearly congregational theme of being more like Jesus, 
I want us to think about the words of Jesus from John chapter 9 and to think about his great example of one who came to this world to work to help us to be like him in our work each day. Let's go back and just read two of those verses that our brother Richard has already read for us this morning from this text early in John chapter 9. At verse 4 of John 9, Jesus speaking in response to his disciples about the man that was born blind, uh, who was responsible for his blindness, who was responsible in their mind, who was it that sinned that caused the blindness to come into this man's life. And of course, Jesus answers there in verse 3, it's not that this man sinned or his parents sinned or anyone else sinned, but it is for this particular occasion, as Jesus goes on here in the next few verses, past what we're looking at today, to heal this man of his blindness so that the work of God, the glory of God could be shown in his life. And then Jesus takes that thought of the works of God being displayed in this man's life on this occasion and he turns it into an opportunity as he often did to teach his disciples an important lesson here, an important lesson about work. And verse 4 again he says, We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The first thing we want to notice about Jesus and his great example of his words here about the importance of our work and how he worked is that he knew that he had come to this earth and he knew that he was doing his father's work. There's a lot of things obviously we could say about Jesus and we're trying to say some things about Jesus this year. But one thing we can say about Jesus Christ in relation to our study this morning is this, that Jesus definitely was not a lazy person. Jesus was not one who just sat down. He could have very easily had this mindset as being the creator of all things, as being the one who would soon be crowned as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He could have been in the mindset that I'm coming to this earth and I'm going to sit on my throne, literally, and I want all my subjects to serve me. I'm just going to kick back and I'm going to enjoy the good life and I'm not really going to do any work. But that's not who he was. That's not who he is. He was not a lazy person. He did not come to this world to live for himself. He did not come to make a name for himself. No, he spent his entire earthly life doing his father's work for his father's glory. Some passages that we're going to look, at least reference along these lines we have already looked at in the first sermon back in January in this series of being more like Jesus, as we look there at Luke chapter 2, and the early life of Jesus Christ when he is 12 years old, you might remember that text tells us that he and his parents went to Jerusalem to the temple. And they find him in the temple, and what is he doing? He is listening to the religious leaders. He is teaching the religious leaders. He is engaged in spiritual conversations. He understood, as we pointed out in that early lesson, that even at 12 years old, he understood that he had come to earth to accomplish his father's will, to do his father's work, to be about his father's business. And now, as we just said here in Luke chapter 2, he's listening to the religious leaders. He is asking and answering spiritual, scriptural questions. In John chapter 4, we find that Jesus, again, is one who had come to do his Father's work. And I think we referenced at least one verse in this particular text in that early sermon back in January. But let's go and look at it again from John chapter 4. John 4, beginning at verse 31. 
John says to us, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. And this is, of course, after he has spent some time with the Samaritan woman at the well, and they've gone into the city to find food. But he said to them in verse 32, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. They are concerned, as was often the case, the disciples were concerned about physical food and concerned, and I think showing some concern and even some compassion for their master teacher that he's been out here talking to this woman for I don't know how long. And certainly he must be hungry just as we are hungry. Let's find him something to eat. And their mind is on physical food, but Jesus's mind is on spiritual food. That was his chief concern. And he says here at verse 34, my food, my sustenance, why I'm here is to do my father's will and to accomplish my father's work. We know what Jesus said in that beautiful prayer that he prayed there in the garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and tried and crucified and all of those events were about to take place that he says as he was talking to his father in verse 4 of John chapter 17 that I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do all of these texts and many more that we could uh, bring to our attention this morning are all saying that Jesus knew that he was here to do his father's work. And so that provides a very powerful example for us to follow, I believe, and a great lesson for us to learn that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ must be in that same mindset. We must be individuals who are doing our father's work. Notice that Jesus spoke these words that we are focusing on this morning in John chapter 9 to his disciples. Again, verse 2 tells us that his disciples said to him, Rabbi who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind. As you read through the gospel, of course, sometimes there are occasions when someone in the crowd, like Luke chapter 12, the man that wanted Jesus to settle a family argument or dispute about uh, his brother not wanting to share the family inheritance with him. You have these large, massive crowds, but sometimes you have a very small audience. And it seems to me that this is, uh, maybe it can be the apostles, but at least the disciples, those who have made a decision already to follow Jesus Christ. And he is speaking words to this group. And notice that he says there, as we just read in verse four, that we, he says, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. That was applying to his followers then, and it also, I believe, applies to his followers now. We need to realize that we have great work to do. We need to come to the understanding in our life that we are not here to just wish the hours away. We are not here to just fulfill every desire that we have of a fleshly, earthly nature. We are even not here as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, as children of God. We are not here to, quote, play church, to just put on a good act for each other or for the community at large. We're not here to just keep the doors open. We're not here to maintain the status quo. We are here like Jesus was here to work. And we are here to do our Father's work. In fact, as we read through the epistles in the New Testament, we find that this is why we have been saved from our sins. In Ephesians chapter 2, 
Ephesians chapter 2, our brother Chris Emerson uh, took us to this text at least a couple of times uh, last weekend in our uh, youth Bible workshop. But I want us to go to it again at verse 8 of Ephesians 2. Notice what the Apostle Paul writes here. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Yes, the, he begins chapter 2 of Ephesians with the bad news that we were all uh, under the influence of Satan, if you will. We were all living in darkness. But then God took the initiative and in His great mercy and grace and patience and love for us that He sent His Son Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for our sins, to save us from sin. And we have salvation through Christ. Paul is definitely making that point and making it very strongly in this text over and over again. For by grace you have been saved. Yes, we have to have faith in God. Yes, that is the channel through which God's grace works in our life and by which we can be saved. But then he doesn't want to be misunderstood when he comes here to verse 10. Why has God shown his grace to us? Why has God shown His rich mercy to us? Why has God saved us in His Son? It's so not that we can be lazy people. It's not so that our life can be all about ourselves. It is so that we can be His workmanship. We have been recreated in Christ Jesus for His good works. The Apostle Paul writes much the same thing in Titus chapter 2. We've looked at that passage uh, here recently, I think, in a lesson about motivation for right living that it certainly is God's grace as he showed it through his son Jesus Christ that ought to be the impetus for us living in the way that befits that of a Christian. That ought to be our motivation every day. But then it is to produce something in us that we have been saved, as the Apostle Paul says here at verse 14, that Jesus Christ gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession zealous for good deeds. We have been saved, brothers and sisters and friends, to be like Jesus in this regard, to be people who are doing our Father's work. And what kind of work must we be doing? It is the works of Him who sent Jesus. That's what our Lord and Savior Jesus said back in the text that we're looking at this morning in John chapter 9 and verse 4. The Father's work is the greatest work the Father's work is the, the highest work. It is the most noble work that we could ever do here upon this earth. And so we need to be people who have committed and devoted ourselves to doing our Father's work just as Jesus did. And the second lesson connected to that is that we find as we come back to the words of Jesus in John chapter 9 at verse 5, that he knew his purpose in this world. He said to his disciples on this occasion that while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That, that idea of light, if you know anything about John's gospel, if you studied through it, read through it um, at all, you know that John takes uh, some concepts at the very beginning of the gospel and he really traces them through, through to the end. And I believe this is one of those concepts about Jesus being light, about Him coming as the light of the world. We are certainly, I think, familiar with the famous statement of Jesus Himself about that in John chapter 8 and verse 12. 
It says, Then Jesus spoke again, again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came to be the light. <laughs> he was making an exclusive claim about himself as he does something else. Again, John kind of traces throughout his gospel. All of these exclusive claims that I am, I am, I am. And here he says, I am the light of the world. And as the light, he is the only one who can lead us out of the darkness. He's the only one who can lead us out of the darkness of sin and lead us into the light of God. There is no other one who can claim that he is the light of the world. Jesus knew his mission. He knew his purpose. He knew why he was here and he knew it well. And John begins his gospel with this picture of Jesus being the light of the world. Back in John chapter 1 and verse 4 beginning. He says about Jesus Christ that in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. For the most part, as you continue reading, and we won't this morning, but as you continue reading the next few verses, John is really making the point here that for the most part, the dark world of Christ's time did not understand who he was. They did not understand why he truly was here. In fact, many of the religious leaders, didn't they? They thought that he was here to be one who was blasphemous against God. <laughs> Blaspheming against God's will, setting himself up or making himself equal with God. And that's certainly what he was doing because he was God. But I want you to notice in contrast to the world, the dark world into which Jesus came and worked, who didn't know really who he was or why he was here, that Jesus knew that he was here to be, as John says to us in this text, the light of men. He came to be the light of the world. He came to be the light of men. So how was Jesus the light of the world? Well, I want you to turn over maybe a page or so in your Bible to chapter 3. In John chapter 3, I think many of us are, are very familiar, even the young ones here this morning, are familiar uh, with a conversation that takes place between Jesus and Nicodemus early in this chapter. And I think all of us in this audience this morning and a lot of people that are out in the world know John 3.16. If there is a Bible verse that probably everybody knows, even those who don't believe that there is a God, is John 3.16. But after continuing maybe in that discussion between Jesus and Nicodemus, there are some very important words that he goes on to say, beginning at verse 19. Jesus says, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Yes, again, he was the light. Jesus was the light of the world. He came and he was the light of the world by exposing evil in those that were in darkness. But he also came and he was the light of the world by drawing those whose desire it was to really practice truth. It was their desire. It was their heart's desire to walk in light. They knew perhaps that they were walking in darkness and so you, as you read through the gospel accounts, you see a lot of um, instances, a lot of examples of people who were in darkness 
But people, it seems to me, wanted to come out of darkness and walk in light. They were people often that the world had despised. The world had turned their back on. The world thought they weren't worthy of their time and attention. People who were desperate, who knew that there was something, had to be something greater than this darkness that they found themselves in, in this world. And so Jesus as the light of the world was able to draw them, attract them to himself and to the truth. Jesus also made a statement about being light over in John chapter 12. In John 12, beginning at verse 46, again, Jesus says here, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. He was light, brothers and sisters and friends, by speaking words of truth. He was light because he came to prepare people for judgment. He wanted people to be saved. That's why he came and gave his life upon the cross. Not so that everyone could be condemned in their sins and live in darkness in eternal hell forever. But he came so that everyone could come out of sin. He came so that we could see him and we could be prepared for judgment so that we might live in light eternally. Yes, Jesus knew his purpose. And that was to be the world's light. Well, you might be thinking about yourself (laughs) That's great for Jesus, but I'm nothing like him. (laughs) As we look at our own hearts, as we look at our own lives, as we know ourselves that we certainly deal with the disease of sin, that Jesus was sinless. So how does that relate to me? Well, it's a very simple lesson that we as followers of Christ, we need to know why we are here. We need to know our mission, our purpose in this world I think I've said this to you before, but I'm going to say it again, that there are so many people, including sometimes even those of us who are trying to be Christ people, who are really struggling with finding their place in this world. (laughs) There, There are a lot of people that we meet every day that they just don't really know why they are here. And sometimes we can let that influence, that thinking of the world influence us. And we begin to think, why are we here? You know, are we here to amass wealth? Are we here to uh, become a famous person? Are we here to do X, Y, Z? But there are so many people that are lost in that regard. They just have no direction whatsoever in their life. But we know that as Jesus came to be the light of the world, and he is the only one who can be the light of the world, that we also are to be lights in the world. We are to be people who are shining the light of Christ for our dark world to see. We are to be people by the life that we are living, by the words that we say, by the attitudes that we have. We are to be people who are pointing others, not to ourselves, but we are to be pointing others to the light, Jesus the Christ. Those of you in Gavin's uh, Wednesday class know this passage very well, I'm sure. In the Beatitudes, after Jesus finished all of those blessed statements, then he talks to us about why we are here. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I believe in these instructions. One thing Jesus is saying to his audience and to us, he was saying that you are light. He's not saying you have a choice about this. If you've already made the decision in your life that you're going to come and follow me, if the goal of your life is to be like me, as we're speaking in this series of lessons this year, to be like Jesus, to be more like Jesus, he says, then you made the choice to be the light of the world. And if you have made that choice, he says, you need to let your light shine. But he says, you need to let your light shine in a certain way. You need to let your light shine like I, the light of the world, shone when I was here. Sometimes we like to make things, I think, more complex or complicated than they have to be. But I believe Jesus was saying here in this text that our role, our purpose in this world is something that's very simple. It may not always be simple for us to do, but I believe it's simple for us to understand that we need to be people who are out there shaking the salt and shining the light. In John chapter 4, back to the passage that we just looked at a moment ago, uh, notice what Jesus continues to say here as we stopped at verse 34 just a moment ago. In John 4, picking up at verse 35, he says, "Do Do you not say, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest, Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering truth for fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Jesus says it doesn't matter where you are in the process. If you're out here sowing the seed initially for the first time, like the Apostle Paul, and taking the gospel, the good news of Christ, to the parts of the world where it had not been before. If you come, one, one that comes along and you continue to build upon that, and maybe you're one who is involved more in the reaping process of what someone else has sown. He says both of those are certainly important works, but here is the overall point I want you to see in these few verses in the words of our Lord, that our work, as we just talked about in the first point, our work, which is our Father's work, (laughs) is to work in the fields of men. It is to get out there in the world and to sow the kingdom seed and to reap what has been sown so that we can all enjoy this bountiful harvest. That's not a result of our own work by ourselves. But as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he planted, Apollos watered. It's God who was giving the harvest. It's God who was giving the increase. We can become so distracted with so many things, so many good things, so many good works that we could be doing that we lose focus as to why we are really here, that we are here to be lights in the world. We are here to point people to the light, Jesus Christ. And we are here to do our Father's work. Thirdly and finally, as we come back to our text in John chapter 9, 
I believe Jesus was saying in these two verses that he knew that his time on earth was limited. It was finite. It, ha- it would have an end. Again, at verse 4, he says, We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, because, Jesus says, night is coming when no one can work. Again, verse 5, while I am in the world. Notice those two phrases, as long as it is day and while I am in the world. Jesus certainly was present when God the Father planned to send him into this world for a specified purpose and a specified time. We read even in the early part of this gospel as John is giving some evidence for Jesus being the Christ, the Son of God. At verse 1, the very first verse of this gospel, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, rather, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, that all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus Christ is eternal, just as much as God the Father is eternal, and God the Spirit is eternal. We might be reminded of passages like Ephesians chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul begins to speak to us about all the blessings that we have, the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ, that even before the foundation of this world, this present physical world, that God had a plan in mind to redeem us and to save us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus was present when the Father had this plan. Jesus, as he came and even lived upon this earth, he knew the things that were coming in his life, things in the future. He knew that he would die. He knew that he would be buried. He knew that he would arise from the grave. He knew that he would ascend back to his Father in heaven. I want you to just trace kind of that thought process of Jesus Christ throughout the Gospel of John. In John chapter 7, John 7 and verse 33 This is on an occasion when the religious leaders are trying to see Jesus and put him out of business. In verse 33, Therefore Jesus said, For a little while longer I am with you, then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Over in chapter 12, we read a few verses there, but notice something before that passage that we read. At verse 35 of John 12, So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. And then, before what we normally call, at least the world calls, the Last Supper of Jesus, in chapter 13 and verse 1, not the words of Jesus, but the commentary here, the words of John, In writing this gospel, he says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This seemed to always have been in the mind of Jesus. And you can trace this throughout the gospels as well. How many times he pulled his disciples aside, sometimes when they were arguing and fussing about things of a temporal nature, and he says, Look, These events are about to occur. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. He knew that he was going to rise from the grave. He knew that he was going to appear to hundreds of his disciples. But then he knew that he was going to ascend back to his father. He knew that his time here upon this earth would one day come to an end. And as we look at the life of Jesus Christ, as we look at his example... 
we find again that Jesus worked tirelessly. He was not again a lazy person. He worked tirelessly day and night because he knew why he was here. He knew what his father's will was and he knew how little time he had to accomplish it. I want you to just think for a moment about the fact that Jesus, as, as far as we know, only lived about 33 years, somewhere around there, here upon this earth. And I think all of us, at least those of us who are past the age of 33, we realize that's not a very long life. That's a very short life. But then I want you to think about the fact that Jesus spent about the last three years of his earthly life really accomplishing his father's work. I'm not saying he didn't do his father's work before because, again, we have that text in Luke chapter 2 that 12 years old he is about his father's work. But to really get to the heart of his mission as to why he came, he only spent about three years doing that. And he knew all that he had to accomplish in that very brief period of time. And so he didn't waste a moment. Certainly there were times, as we've looked at in lessons past about Jesus in prayer, there were times definitely when he got off by himself when he needed a respite from the multitudes that were following him around everywhere, and he needed to commune with his heavenly Father. But even in that, he was still working, I would suggest to you. And so it is a great example, the greatest example for us that there could be. That we all need to realize that our time here upon earth is finite as well. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the the wise writer there uh, giving some of God's wisdom to all of us, but especially to those who may be younger in age. He says at Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 6, to sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. Here is the, the wise writer encouraging, urging us to not waste Precious time just doing nothing. But that we need to be people who are continually doing the Father's work because we don't know what the future holds if we say, well, I'm just going to sit back and take it easy in the morning because I've got the evening to do this, that, and the other to accomplish the Father's will. We don't know what the evening is going to be like. We don't even know if there is going to be an evening. The Apostle Paul would say it this way in his encouragement to the brethren in the churches of Galatia in Galatians 6 and verse 10, that while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. While we have opportunity. Jesus, the Son of God, living here upon earth, he realized that his time upon earth was just for a certain period. And then there would be an end. He realized that he only had so many opportunities to teach and to perform miracles and to change people's hearts and to draw them to his Father. As Jesus rightly said in these words back in John chapter 9 that we are considering this morning, although we often don't like to think about this fact, night is rapidly approaching for all of us. And so let us be like Jesus in this regard. Let us be people who are working very hard, very diligently. Let us be people who are making the most of the time and opportunities that God gives us. While we have life, while we have health, while we have ability and energy and opportunity, let us 
be like Jesus Christ. And let us be using all of that to our Father's glory. The fact remains that none of us knows exactly how much time we have left in this world. It seems, as I've tried to make the case this morning, that Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that he only had a certain amount of time. And so do we, but we don't know how much is left for us. But all of us do know this, that we all have today. We all have this present moment to be workers for the Lord. We sometimes sing that song, I want to be a worker for the Lord. (laughs) I want to love and trust His holy word. I want to sing and pray and be busy every day in the vineyard of the Lord. Very easy for us to sing those those, those words, but it's something else for us to really live those words in our life. What about you this morning? As you look at your life and you are trying to compare your life to the perfect life of Jesus Christ, do you see that maybe there is some room for you to grow? Do you see that maybe there are some changes that you need to make? I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we would have to say yes. Aren't we thankful, though, that Jesus came to this world and he knew exactly what his reason was for being here and he accomplished his Father's work And we are beneficiaries of what He has done for each of us. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, we hope that something that has been said this morning will prick your heart and will cause you to see your need for Him. He is, as we spoke of this morning already, He is the light of the world. If you are not in Him, you are walking in darkness. You may be a good person as the world would use that terminology. You may think that everything is fine in your life. You don't need anyone else to lead you. You don't see yourself as being in darkness. But if you're not in Christ, you are in darkness because He is the light, the only light. But He came to pull you out of darkness and to draw you into His kingdom of light. Would you respond to the grace and mercy and patience and love of God this morning and come and give your life to Him and spend the rest of your days here upon earth doing the Father's work. As a child of God, it may be that maybe your focus has gotten off of why you're here and you need to get back on that right track. Do you need to make a change in your life? However, we can be of help to you this morning if you see that you are not prepared to meet your God as we're about to sing. Don't leave this building in that same state. Don't leave this building wondering about that. Leave this building with confidence knowing that you are prepared to meet God if that should happen this very hour, this very day. Think about those things and respond to the invitation if you need to as we stand and as we sing.